You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. Today is a bit of a family service by default because we don't have a holiday program, but as Russ outlined, if you do have restless kids, you can take them downstairs. Uh, Unfortunately, that doesn't apply if you're an adult and you're bored. You do have to stay up here. So as we start 2022, we've faced a year, two years in fact, like we've never faced before. There's so much uncertainty. The world is divided, whether we're pro this or anti this. There's a lot of discontent and and contention about topics uh, in, in the globe. And we can't kid ourselves and say, hey, that's outside of the church. This is, you know, this is people protesting yesterday. It's not happening in the church. The reality is, is if we look at the, the wider Christian body, people are, are falling on different sides of different arguments and, and, and we're not at peace. We, we definitely have uncertainty and it's, it's a really hard, difficult season that we've all been through. Now, you can rest easy. We're not going to cover any of those difficult topics today, so we don't have to worry about mandates or any of the rest of it, so we can rest easy. What we're going to talk about today is the New Year's revelation. So in, in January, which we're still in, a lot of people like to make New Year's resolutions. So i.e., I'm going to, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to start a diet, I'm going to grow a mullet. Um, there's, there's, there's lots of different things that people decide to do, right? Um, and some things happen and, and others don't. What I want to talk about for us today is that as Christians, it's really important that we make plans as well. We don't just want to meander along hoping for the best. So the title of my message today is New Year's Revelations. So New Year's Revelations. So I want to ask a question before we start. Who's been to the supermarket lately? Have you guys been to the supermarket lately? My second question is this. Does anybody have any chicken they can sell me? Just, just... Just, just see me afterwards if you do. But my actual question is this. At the moment, you go to the supermarket, the aisles are bare, you, you can't get the bread you want, you can't get chicken, let alone salted caramel connoisseur ice creams. It's really difficult to get what you want. But my actual question is this. Who makes a shopping list before they go shopping? See a show of hands? Who, by, by interest, who doesn't make a shopping list? couple of you. You guys don't go shopping, man. So it's... <laughs> Someone in the family is making a list and maybe somebody, the other spouse is facilitating that list. So most of us, despite how disorganized, I didn't even realize, it's like second nature. Most, most of us, I did think it was a little bit warm. Um, most of us, despite how disorganized you might be in your life, you don't like chaos. Most of us don't want problems always. Most of us want to have a plan. Now, what's the alternative if you don't have a plan? So if you go to the supermarket and you don't have a plan, you're probably going to get a mishmash of ingredients. You're going to hope for the best. And every, every week it's going to be like that master chef invention mystery box test, right? And, and you get a result like this. And I want to thank Russ for sharing some photos. 
of, of his recent meals. <laughs> so we might think, hey, this is fun, you know, we're just going to play it by ear and see what, what comes out, but it's not sustainable. You need to have a plan. And most of you, you already do this, whether you have a, a weekly meals plan or you have some sort of organiser, you know what to expect when you go shopping. So let's get to my first point, which you've got a sneak preview of already. We need to make a plan. So the first obvious question is, why is, it, why is it important to have a plan? Well, firstly, God strongly recommends that we do, which is, for me, good enough. But let's have a look at why. So God recommends that we plan carefully and commit to completing what we choose to do so that it will be a job well done. Not just have a plan and then do nothing about it, which is what quite often happens in January. You have that New Year's resolution. You get that gym membership. You go for the, maybe you go or maybe you don't go at all, but you've got a membership, but you don't do anything about it. So it says in Luke 14, 28 to 31, Luke 14, 28 to 31, and it's behind me, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. It's quite a burn there. Um, and then verse 31, it says, Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? We can see from these two examples the importance of having a plan. Now, there's a quote and Julian and I were having a discussion about this yesterday, whether it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin or not, I probably tend to think that it's not now, um, but the quote is good nonetheless. It is, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. If you don't plan, you plan to fail. So generally speaking, and, and in the natural, I'm someone who likes the plan. So it's, it's not a problem for me. I like to have an idea of what's happening, I'm organized, and planning comes very naturally to me. But I know a lot of you, that doesn't come so naturally, and maybe you don't like to plan. And some of you don't like to plan, especially in the season that we're in right now, because those plans seem to inevitably fail. So you make a plan, you want to do X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't happen. Um, but we can't be so afraid of failure that we don't try to do something great this new year. Remember, even hard times have a purpose. Sometimes our greatest life-changing events begin in tremendous difficulty. So they're not mutually exclusive. If we look at Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14, King Solomon notes, Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in life. doesn't say if hard times come but when hard times come. And James 1, 2-4, James 1, 2-4, we can read, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it's an opportunity for great joy. Who's looked at the last couple of years as an opportunity for great joy? I can't put my hand up for that. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, 
needing nothing. So we will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So it's possible that as you work towards a goal, the struggle itself is God teaching you lessons that he wants you to learn throughout the process. Our plans may not always turn out the way that we like, but it doesn't mean we stop making them. Even if you've made 10 plans these last couple of years and nothing's, gone, nothing's happened, it doesn't mean you stop and you give up. So with that in mind, it brings me to my second point, which is what can you plan to do this year? What can you plan to do this year? So our first and foremost plan for this year and, and every year really is to have a greater intimacy with Jesus. Now, if we look at the mantra or what I prefer, the mandate of NCMI, it's to know Jesus and to make him known. We can only do this if we know Jesus at an intimate level. And it's like every relationship, it takes work. So every relationship has our ups and downs, and we can't be reliant on the past when it comes to our future and present relationships. If I didn't work at my relationship with Trace, it wouldn't be a very successful relationship. If I ignored my spouse for weeks, months, and only went to them when I needed something, probably wouldn't go down so well. So I don't speak to you for the whole week, and then suddenly I need you to do something. Hey, can you do me a favor? I was like, well, what about the rest of the week? But what about the past, you might ask? You know, I took, I took you out to a, a dinner and a movie two years ago. That was fun. That was romantic. <laughs> Remember pre-kids, all the dates that we went on? That's got to count for something, right? <laughs> that wasn't a rhetorical question. That's got to count for something, right? Uh, but we can't rely on the past. You know, the past is important, but we can't camp there and make a monument of it. Hey, remember how good our relationship used to be? Remember Jesus, we used to spend so much time together. I had so much free time. I was reading the Bible. I was spending time in your presence. That was then. This is now. So another example. It's like if you've got to do, if you've got to do a weekly report for your boss. Or maybe you've got to do your homework and school starting soon. And your boss asks, hey, where's that weekly report? And you say to him, hey, I did it last week and the week before, but I didn't do it this week. Or can you say to your teacher, hey, I did my homework last week. I, did, I didn't realize I had to do it this week as well. It's not going to fly. We can't rely on the past. So speaking about our relationship with Jesus, we need to work on it. We need to spend time in his presence and it will take work. So simply, what can we do? we spend more time in his presence. So James 4 verse 8, James 4 verse 8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. This is a promise. If we spend time in his presence, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And a promise from God is good enough for me. So how can we practically do this? You know, the world's busy. You know, we, we think to ourselves, hey, um, you know, we've got so much more time at home and we're not going out and we're almost in this shadow lockdown at the moment where we're keeping ourselves separated from everybody else, even though the government doesn't necessarily tell us to. It's natural. It's okay. 
But how does that practically work in terms of our relationship with Jesus? So maybe it's a prayer time. Maybe it's a worship time. Maybe it's a little quiet time without distractions. What we need to do is prioritize that time. doesn't matter what we choose to do, but we must do something. And it's especially important if you've got kids. We need to teach our kids good habits. We need to show them what it means to practically walk out a relationship with Jesus. And for, for us with kids, it needs to be do as we do, not do as we say to do. There's a big difference, right? So we can't tell our kids, hey, you need to, I don't know, pray before every meal. If we don't pray before every meal, if we don't give, great, if we don't give thanks and, and, and say grace. Simple things like that, right? We need to be make sure that our actions speak louder than our words. So there's a rule, the 2190 rule, says that it's 21 days to form a habit. 21 days to form a habit, but 90 days to form a lifestyle. So if we're talking about spending time in his presence, it's going to take you 21 days to form a habit in theory. Theory's pretty sound though, I think. But if we're doing it out of habit, it's probably still not necessarily where you want to be. 90 days, that's where the lifestyle is formed. That's going to take hard work. That's three months of doing something. And then it doesn't, it's not a habit. It becomes second nature. It's almost innate. And you realize, hey, spending time with God is a good thing. Spending time with God is a natural thing. And then the lifestyle can form. It will take work, don't get me wrong, but it will get easier. All right, so the second part of the NCMI mandate, so the first part is to, is to know him. The second part is to make him known, and it's just as important as one another. And this is only achievable if we truly love one another. And it's pretty easy to love your friends and family. If you don't love your friends and family, then it's very difficult. But if we're truly called to love others as we love ourselves, we need to see people through the eyes of Jesus. If we don't, we might be able to do it out of our, you know, out of habit, out of compulsion because it's the right thing we do. Well, we're not, we might not actually believe it in our hearts. Okay? Hey, it's, it's a good thing to, to be nice to people, to love people. Or we might not actually believe it in the tablet of our heart. So we need to ask Jesus for that insight, for that love of people, to see people through his eyes. And when we see people through his eyes, We'll have, the, we'll have love, we'll have mercy, we'll have grace. We'll feel, hey, this person is, is down on their luck. They need Jesus. There's no, other, there's no other solution to their lives. And we're the ones that are called to speak to them and we're the ones that are called to share the gospel with them. So ask God for a love for his people. All right, before we move on, I want to touch on something else when it comes to planning. I think personal goals are important too. Sometimes in the church we think, hey, our goal should be that um, we spend more time, you know, praying, more time reading the Bible. All of these things are good, right? Obviously. We've just talked about that so far. But personal goals are good as well. Whether it's a work goal, a family goal, doesn't matter. Maybe you want to save up money for a holiday, for a house deposit, for a car. You want to work your way up at, at work. You want to get a promotion. You want to get better grades at school, uni, whatever it might be. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. In fact, I encourage you to make goals like that, to have some vision for your life and say, hey, where do I want to be in a few years' time? 
where would I like to be? And then secondly, what am I doing about it? It's all, it's all well and good to have a goal or a plan, but if you're not doing anything about it, it's not really worth the paper that it's written on. So when we desire and want these things, and they can be materialistic things as well, it's okay. I don't want to kill the golden calf here, but those things are fine and we can work towards them. And God knows our desires and often he's the one that places it in our hearts, right? So don't be afraid of those things. It's not a bad thing. The important thing is to make sure that we're not consumed by these things. Can't be your priority. The only thing we want to be consumed by is God. So yes, desire these things, but be consumed by him. It says in Psalm 39 verse 5, Psalm 39 verse 5, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He often places these desires in your heart. That doesn't mean we're all going to get Ferraris, right? That's not, that's not how it works. But if we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, he will take care of our earthly needs. Now, if we look at the flowers in the field, the birds in the air, God takes care of them. He's going to take care of our earthly needs. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean he'll take care of our needs in the way that we would want, desire, or expect but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So it's an important thing. It's an important distinction. Just because we desire something to work out in a certain way doesn't mean it will happen, but God will still take care of you. We just need to be reliant and have faith that he will. So think about your personal family and work goals. Write it down, but don't be consumed by them. All right, so let's move on to my third point, which is, you can have the best laid plans, but you need to remain interruptible. You can have the best laid plans, but you need to remain interruptible. So if the past few years has taught us anything, we need to remain flexible. We've had quite a few years of this uncertainty, and I know people that have had to cancel birthdays and weddings and everything in between, right? We've had to remain truly flexible. And it's been a super tough season, super tough. And, and no one can take that away from, from us and from you. But it doesn't mean and it shouldn't deter you from making these plans. So at some point, we just need to live our lives, right? Live our lives, make a plan. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Not all plans have to go exactly how you've planned. So some of you know that last year we moved house. So we sold our house and we bought another house. And it sounds pretty, pretty simple in theory, um, but it was far from it. So at the start of last year, almost to the day, in fact, a um, couple of weeks probably, so the start of Jan, we started thinking about, hey, it might be nice to move to a house with a bigger backyard for the kids. So we looked around and um, we spent a bit of time searching. I might drink this water. And eventually we found a house that we really liked that was being built in Altona. So we thought about it for a little while. We, we, we went to a similar house and et cetera, et cetera. And eventually we pulled the trigger on it. We're like, this is the house. This is the house. And we felt a real peace about it. So that was on January 29, the day after Tracy's birthday where we actually signed the contracts. So that was bought. And then we went to the process of selling our house. Now, some of you might be freaking out. That's not how you like to do things. But we felt a piece about it. We felt that this was the house and God would take care of the other house. 
and we really felt that God was in it. So we picked an agent, and uh, initially we thought, hey, we'll sell the house in, in February, or listed in February. We bought in January, so it makes sense to sell it straight away. We had a bit of a rethought, and we thought, okay, actually, if we list it a little bit later, it can go, uh, and we can have settlement together. So our house will settle at the same time as the new house will, will settle as well, which, again, sounds like a really good plan. So we listed the house, we had the open for inspections, and unfortunately for us, at the same time as we listed, a whole bunch of other houses in the little complex that we lived in went to the market as well, went on the market as well, which kind of diluted um, our position, which is not ideal. Uh, we got to the auction, and and unfortunately, it, it it passed in, which we we were expecting, so that was okay, and we felt okay about it. So we're like, okay, God, this is you. We'll leave it up to you, and and you know the ball's in your court. So then we're feeling good, and then six weeks rolled around, and then we started to feel less good about it. We're like, hey, God, still in your hands, but we wouldn't mind uh, if the house got sold by now. So then we thought, okay, what do we do? And, and, and Tracy and I, we were talking, and we decided, hey, it's really important that we get into prayer more. We'd been in prayer the whole time, but we need to take this to the next level. We shared it with the elders. We felt to pray and fast, Joe and Shelley felt to do the same. So this was a random week in, in June and we felt, hey, we're going to really make this a thing now. We're going to pray, we're going to fast, and we're going to spend time in God's presence listening to what he has to say about the house. So that was like on a Monday or Tuesday and we fasted and Joe and Shelley did the same. And the next day, I felt that God dropped in my heart that the house would be sold on Saturday. Now, to give you some context, there was no one really on the go. There was no good leads. It wasn't like happening. And we'd been through six weeks of open for inspections with two little kids, so it was tough. But we felt, and I felt it really strongly, that God was going to sell the house on Saturday. So then I thought, hey, you know, I don't want this just to be a feeling. You know, write it in, in the corner of a, of a journal. And I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my faith into action here. So I called my parents. I told them, God told me the house is going to be sold on Saturday. I was like, that's not enough. So I organized a video call with Sam and Anna and Luke and Lisa. And I said to them, I know that we've been praying for the house, but I feel strongly that God has told me that we're going to sell the house on Saturday. And this isn't a feeling. This isn't a whatever. We're just going to thank God for this provision. And we're going to, and we're going to expect it and pray into it. And, and again, it's, it's difficult because you're putting yourself out there. What happens on Saturday when it doesn't happen? You kind of look a bit silly, right? But I was like, nah, I heard it pretty clearly and I'm going to put it into action. So we did. And to cut a long story short, Saturday rolled around and they, there was a one buyer coming through, but they didn't buy. Someone ended up contacting me directly. They sent us a letter and we sold the house to them directly without the real estate agent's involvement, which is kind of strange. Uh, but don't worry, if you're in real estate, he's still got his cut, so it's all fine. Um, but it was God's provision, and it didn't happen in our timing. Our house was going to auction on the 1st of May, and we sold on June 19, the day after my birthday. So we bought the day after Tracy's birthday, and we sold the day after mine. The settlement was 87 days with heaps of flexibility. 
Now, if we do the maths and you work backwards, if we sold on May 1, we would have been asking for circa 150 days of settlement, which is unlikely to happen. But we settled on the day before we, we settled the new house and it worked out perfectly. Now, it didn't happen in our timing. It didn't happen how we wanted it to happen, but it happened in God's timing and he was in control. And, and don't get me wrong, we, we, we definitely had a peace throughout, but it wasn't all you know, sunshine and rainbows throughout. It was a difficult season. You know, getting the house ready twice a week, it's not easy. But we, we had that peace from God. And when things did get tough, we had to be reliant on him. Like, hey, God, you're in this. We felt your peace. We felt like you guided these steps. We have to be reliant on you. Because if we started to try to make things happen in our own strength, we, we probably would have crumbled. So it did happen, not how we expected, though. All right, so when we're making plans, when we're thinking about our wishes and desires for our lives, it's not just about us. So we made a plan, but we then took it to God. What do you think? Are you in this? Is this me or is this you? We need to ask God what he thinks of our plans and whether our plans are in line with his. So Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. A few verses later in verse 9, we read, we make plans, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I love, I love that scripture. We can make plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That can only ring true if we are truly interruptible if we truly do submit our plans to the Lord. Because we can't say that if it's just lip service. Hey, this is my plan. Hey, Lord, what do you think? And get on with your life. We need to be interruptible. And this should be our greatest prayer, that we're following his lead, not our own. So we need to always be interruptible and we can't rely on ourselves. We need to live by faith. So as wise as it is to is to plan, and I've just spoken about it this morning, we need to constantly ask God, hey, what do you think? Are you still in this? Is this of you? And it's a lot easier to do this if one of our plans is to come into a greater intimacy with him because it's going to be a natural outworking of that. If we plan to spend more time in his presence, then when we have to ask him questions like this, it's natural. So remember, we live by faith and not by sight. So we do need to keep seeking God and seeking his will and his plans and purposes for our lives, but we don't need to be super spiritual about it either. God has given us wisdom. So we don't need to ask God, hey, should I have Maccas or KFC for lunch? We don't need to ask God if we should go for the Melbourne Stars or the Renegades. The correct answer at the moment is neither. But seriously, we need to use the wisdom that God has given us. So don't go so far one way that you can't make a decision for yourself. God has given you wisdom. Use it. So Proverbs 16 verse 20 notes, Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. 
So along with the wisdom that God's given us, along with the ability to seek out his face and to seek out his thoughts in our plans, God advocates and the Bible advocates for us to seek out godly counsel. So if you needed to make a decision, and it's a big decision, talk to someone about it. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to your home group leader. Talk to someone that you trust in the faith. Ask for their opinion, but ask them, do you, are, you, are you feeling anything? Do you feel like God's telling you anything about it? Don't be reliant on that. God doesn't need, doesn't need that person to talk to you, but God will still use that person to talk to you if you open the door for it. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So don't be afraid to seek out godly counsel. We need to seek out mature Christians who can give sound advice when making big decisions. We're not in this alone. Utilise the help that's right in front of you. So coming to a close this morning, it's really important for us to all have a plan. Let's not live our lives meandering along, simply hoping for the best. Let's resolve to know Jesus at a more deeper, intimate level this year so we can know him better and we can make him known. And before I close, I want to leave you with a couple of scriptures that I, that I believe help to provide some, some greater context to all of this. So the first is Ephesians 3 verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. And Ephesians 4 verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So our plans are not all going to work. They're all not going to succeed. We're going to face difficult times. Let's not kid ourselves and pretend that this pandemic's going to go away anytime soon. We don't know. We thought we were pretty home and hosed in December and then Omicron comes up, right? Things will happen and we need to roll with the punches or we need to seek his face and we need to make plans. And if they succeed, great. And if they don't, hey, there's a lesson to be learned as well along the way. So to close, we cannot afford to simply go with the flow anymore. Let's make 22... Let's make 2022 a year that we can look back on on the years to come, a turning point in our walk with the Lord, a year that we break off the shackles of the past few years, a year of hope. It's time for the priesthood of all believers to rise up and complete and work out the fullness of what God has called us to do. It's not a year of holding ground. It's a year of seeking his face and seeking out what the Lord has for us. Amen. Great message, Joel. Thank you for that. Let's just close in prayer. And uh, maybe just come before the Lord now and, uh, and bring Him your, your plans, your desires, what your thoughts are for the year ahead. Maybe you've been challenged on a few of the points. Um, or maybe, you've, maybe you just are, are in that place where you want to know Jesus better. And you just want a, a greater revelation of the Lord. Let's come before him now and just let him minister to us. Lord, we, we come before your throne of grace. 
And we thank you for this message this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, all of us are in different places here. Um, some of us maybe need to make some plans. Some of us maybe need to press in on you and know you more. Uh, maybe we need to make you know. Maybe we need boldness to share to share Jesus with others. Lord, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit now and just touch lives. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast.